Well, as we think about uh, stories of Jesus today, uh, I'd like to go into today's message. And I did a little research this week. Uh, I was looking for what the average height is for a man living in the United States. Any guesses what that might be? About 5'9", actually, 5'9". Uh, in the world, average height for a man uh, depends on what part of the region of the world you live in. In some places, it's 5'3", uh, and in some places, it's as tall as 6 feet. All right, so in the Netherlands, six feet is average. You're pretty tall folks over there. Um, I'm 5'11", and so I'm kind of proud that I'm a little taller than average in the world and in America. And uh, my son, Nathan, uh, who is 10 years old, is projected by his physician to be taller than me. So one day I'll be shorter than him. Uh, my son, Luke, he turned 13, passed me in height. And now when he's wearing his shoes, he's close to six feet, four inches tall. And so when I'm around Luke, who's a basketball player, and some of his teammates, uh, I feel not taller than average. I feel kind of small, <laughs> you know. And so it's all relative about where you are in this. And so the reason I'm saying this today is I just, I wonder in your life, do you ever feel small or insignificant? So sometimes, a lot of times, I feel taller than the average person in America or the world. But when I'm around my son and his friends, like I feel small, right, and short and insignificant. And just in your life, not just physically, but maybe in popularity or maybe in what you do for a living, maybe with how much money you have, where you live in, in the world. Like, do you ever feel small or insignificant? Right? I, don't, I don't know if you ever saw the old uh, uh, comedy bit by Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. where Dean Martin's making fun of Sammy Davis Jr. because he's smaller and he says, you're small. SMA, small, small, right? So do we feel small or insignificant in life sometimes? Well, in today's story of Jesus, he's going to run into somebody who you wouldn't think would feel necessarily insignificant based upon his income and his money, but in his life, he feels very insignificant and not important. And it's going to be interesting to see how Jesus responds to him. So if you're feeling small or insignificant in any area of your life today, there's good news for you in this story of Jesus. We're going to be looking into the Gospel of Luke. A gospel is one of the first four books of the New Testament, and gospel means the good news of Jesus. It's the story of the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so Luke wrote about Jesus. Luke was a first century disciple. He was a physician. He wrote the book Luke, and he also wrote the book Acts that are in the Bible, the story of Jesus and the story of the early church. And so in Luke's gospel, he spends 10 entire chapters following Jesus on his final journey to Jerusalem, where Jesus is getting ready to be executed and die on a cross so that you and I could be made right with God. So we're in this 10-chapter journey where Luke's chronicling what Jesus did, and he's getting ready to go into the city of Jericho. And so let's pick up the story today in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. You might remember Jericho from the Old Testament. Uh, it was a place where Joshua and some of the people of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. There's a, a song like that. This is the same place. Jesus is going through Jericho. And right outside of Jericho, he's done a healing. He's healed a man that was blind. And it said, Jesus said that he was healed because of his faith in Jesus. His faith made him well. And so Jesus has been healing. Now he's passing through the city of Jericho that has a lot of meaning 
in the Old Testament. So let's see what happens next. So there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Right? So there's a man named Zacchaeus. He is a chief tax collector. He's wealthy. You would think in his day and age that right, if, if you were to meet someone today and said that I work for the IRS, I'm not just an everyday worker. I, I'm in the hierarchy. I'm in the top, right? I'm one of the chief people in the IRS. I've got a pretty good income. We would probably look at them and think, that's a successful person, right? Might not be the most popular person when it comes to taking our money, but uh, that's, a, that's an important job in our, in our country, and we would probably look up to them and say, that's somebody who's smart. They're, they're good with numbers. They've accomplished a lot of things. But in Jesus' day, tax collectors were not looked with uh, fondly. Uh, they were local people who worked for the foreign government Rome. Remember Rome had taken over Israel and so Rome taxed the local Jewish people of Israel and they used local tax collectors to do that. So Zacchaeus was one of these but he wasn't just an everyday tax collector. He was in charge of other tax collectors. Now what tax collectors did in that day is they took up money for Rome and they also added a little bit extra tax to the people that they would keep themselves. So they were skimming off the top. Well, the chief tax collector, he also could, could take from all the other tax collectors that bring their money in, and he would take a cut of that himself. So tax collectors, chief tax collectors, were not popular people. Their, their wealth was seen as ill-gotten gain. It was dishonest means. So these were local sellouts to the foreign Roman government Nobody liked them. Nobody respected them. They were seen as insignificant people. And so this is the person that we're talking about in the gospel today. Let's see what happens next. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Right? So not only is Zacchaeus, right, kind of insignificant in his culture, he's also short, and he can't look up over the people to see Jesus. And so he, he's heard about this famous teacher. Jesus has this reputation, like this is a man who's healing. He's doing all kinds of things. Zacchaeus is interested in this, and he wants to see Jesus, but he's just too short. He's SMR small. He, he's insignificant in size. He's incons incons uh, insignificant in standing. Right? Zacchaeus is in a lot of trouble. Now, if you ever went to Sunday school or you ever went to vacation Bible school, there's a song about Zacchaeus. Do you remember that song? Right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Right? That's what's coming next in our scripture. Let's check this out. So Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, I've got a picture of a sycamore tree. Uh, this is actually in Jericho, where Zacchaeus would have seen Jesus. This is probably not the same tree, because sycamore trees don't live for 2,000 years. They live for several hundred years, right? But that might have been a seedling from one of the trees that went back to Jesus. Uh, it's a big, tall thing. There's another picture of a different sycamore tree. Uh, and you can see, if you don't trim it at the bottom, they have these branches that you can just climb in at the very bottom and go to the top. Right? So Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He's feeling insignificant about himself. He hears that Jesus is someone who is special, who pays attention to people. Uh, and so uh, he is clever. He climbs up in the sycamore tree to see what he can see. Right? So 
Let's go to the next slide. Right When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That's also in the song. Right? Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house to stay. I'm going to your house to stay. So Jesus, this popular person that everybody's wanting to see, does the unthinkable. He says to the most unpopular, the social outcast person, this wee little man who climbed up into a tree, come down. I want to come to your house. Right? This is a, a popular celebrity. People are trying to find him. This is the last person that anyone would think that Jesus would want to spend time with. He's too insignificant. Right? So it brings us to this point. Jesus cares for those whom others have given up on. Jesus cares for those whom others have given up on. Have you ever felt in your life that people have given up on you? That you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not successful enough, you're not popular enough, right? Jesus doesn't care. He never gives up on you. Just like he didn't give up on Zacchaeus. Let's keep going with the scripture. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Wow, I was hoping just to get a glimpse of this guy, Jesus. I can't believe that he knew me. He called me by name. He said, come down. He wants to come to my house. No one else wants to come and see me at my house, right? He was excited, right? Which brings us to our next point, right? Right? All the people saw this, and they began to mutter, right? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Right? So people, they're like, they're, they're, they're mumbling, like, how is Jesus doing this? Right? What's, what's he going to do? Like, Jesus is a holy man, right? He's to be a man of God. He's the Messiah. He's supposed to be the Savior, and he's going to spend time with this sinner, Right? Holy moral people don't spend time with sinners and insignificant people. What is going on here? Right? They were muttering these things. And it's the same sort of word for the people of Israel when they were in the desert, right? when they were trying to get to the promised land and they weren't following God's directions. They were mumbling and murmuring. right? And it's the same kind of word that's behind this. They're like, how could Jesus go to see Zacchaeus? Right? Which brings us to this point. Jesus does not write off people who remain open to God. No matter how far from God, no matter how, how, how right, uh, insignificant you feel in a, from a morality standpoint or from a spiritual standpoint, Jesus never writes off anyone who is open to God. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to meet Jesus. He wanted to give Jesus a chance, right? You're never too far gone. You're never too insignificant. You've never done anything too bad. That Jesus doesn't want to spend time with you. Now the people were right. Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was one of the biggest sinners that, that, that was in the area. But God still loved him and still believed in him and wanted to spend time with him. We're never too far from God. Even if we feel spiritually insignificant, if we feel morally insignificant, we can never be too far from God. Jesus doesn't write us off. So let's see what happens next. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now what's going on here? Is Jesus, right? Is Zacchaeus trying to buy Jesus? Is forgiveness trying to buy his love? I don't think so. 
Jesus has already shown undeserved favor to Zacchaeus. Right? That's, that's what the word grace means. We get something that we don't deserve. Jesus came to be with Zacchaeus, right? This religious leader, this, this Messiah, this Savior, the Son of God, has shown grace to Zacchaeus. He shouldn't have set foot in his house, but he did, right? And in response to that, Zacchaeus is overwhelmed that Jesus is showing me favor when I don't deserve it. He's doing something for me that no one else would do. So Zacchaeus, in response to being saved by Jesus, to receiving this, this gift of Christ, says, I'm going to make it all right. right? I'm going to give away half of what I own, and I'm going to pay back four times what I've stolen from people. Now, in Jesus' day, to be considered generous meant that you would give away 20% of what you have. Right? That's being generous, right? If you were to give away 20% of what you have, that's being generous. What did Zacchaeus say? I'm giving away half of what I have. Right? He is so excited that Jesus has shown him this undeserved favor that this is his response, right? And then he says, not only am I going to pay back what I stole, I'm going to give back four times what I've stolen. In Jesus' day, the law was, if you have taken something from someone, you have to pay it back, and you have to give them 20%. Okay, so that was the law. Like, if you got caught taking from someone, you, if you were a thief, something like that, you give back what you stole plus 20%. Zacchaeus is giving back 400%. He doesn't have to, right? That, that was what they made rustlers do, like if you stole someone's sheep or a goat or something like that. You had to give it back 400%. Zacchaeus is so moved by Jesus' grace that he wants to return that. Right? He wants to pay it forward. He wants to do good in the name of Jesus. I have received grace. I'm going to extend grace. There's a couple of points here that I think we learned too as well, right? Love for God expresses itself in love for others. God loves me. I'm going to love God back, and I'm going to love people back. Zacchaeus is like, I'm going, to, I'm going to love the people that I've hurt, and even people that I don't know, right? I'm going to give half away, right? And that second point, right, what God gives is to be used for others. Zacchaeus was wealthy. Even if he wasn't stealing off the top or the bottom or whatever, he's still wealthy, right? What God gives us is to be used for others. And so Zacchaeus responds to grace with gratitude. And he gives to other people. Okay. So Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because of this man, who is also a son of Abraham. Right? He, he's now part of the family of God. For the Son of Man, that's a title for Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. Right? For Jesus is saying, the Son of Man, I came to seek and to save the lost. Right? This is Jesus' mission. I came to seek and save the lost. I came to help people like Zacchaeus. They're not perfect, they make mistakes, they do wrong things, but I love them anyway, so I've come to seek and save the lost. And if you're like me, I can read myself into this, right? Because all of us, no matter who we are or what we do, we all make mistakes. We all miss the mark. We all do things that are wrong. We all feel morally insignificant. We all feel spiritually insignificant, but Jesus says, it's okay. I love you anyway, and I'm going to extend unmerited, undeserved favor. I will forgive you, and I will give you life that is full, and I will give you life forever in the kingdom of heaven. I will take away your guilt. I will take away your shame. Right? We, like Zacchaeus, when we're wrong, we feel insignificant. We still feel the love of Jesus Christ. This is, 
this is a story that I think we can all see ourselves in. No matter how tall we are, right? I'm talking about on the inside, right? Morally insignificant, spiritually insignificant. Jesus says, I still love you, and you're not too far from me. So Zacchaeus, right? Jesus has, has taken him from an outsider and made him into an insider. Not because he deserves it, but because that's who Jesus is. Right? He takes us as outsiders and makes us insiders. He forgives us when we miss the mark, when we do the wrong thing. Zacchaeus realized, I have done wrong. I have stolen from people. I have misused my authority. I've misused my position. Jesus has forgiven me. He's given me his presence, his grace. Right? I made a mistake, God, and I'm sorry for that. And I'm going to do great things because I'm grateful for what you've done for me. Again, Zacchaeus is not buying Jesus off. Right? Jesus shared his grace, his favor with Zacchaeus as a free gift. In response, Zacchaeus says, I... I feel led to do something in response to show my gratitude to you. Right? And for Zacchaeus, it's not an intellectual exercise. It's not lip service. Like, God changed his heart. God changed his mind. God changed his lifestyle. Right? All this money that I've been greedy for, I'm letting it go. Right? What are we wrong about? How do we hurt other people? How do we misuse our position Right? Where have we failed, and how can we receive right, this great gift? We, just, we have to ask Jesus for that. Right? We, we receive that. And in our lives, what it means is that we can't pretend when we do something wrong that we've not done something wrong. It's hard for us to look into our lives and say, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that, or I should have done this when I was inactive, right? We can't do something wrong and pretend that nothing's happened because it just festers and festers and the guilt and the shame leads to other things like anger and frustration and lashing out at other people who don't deserve it. And so we need to be like Zacchaeus and face the facts, even if it makes us feel small and insignificant when it comes to our relationship to God because Jesus is ready to forgive us. As we think about stories of Jesus, some of the greatest stories of Jesus are stories that are told like, I was once lost, I was once broken, and Jesus turned me around, right? In my own life, I mean, I've wrestled with anger issues, I've wrestled with fear issues, I've wrestled with being arrogant, I've wrestled with people-pleasing rather than God-pleasing, right? All, I could give you a laundry list of things that Jesus has saved me from, not because I deserved it, because that's who Jesus is and how great he is. If he can call a broken man like me to be a pastor, he can call any of us into his kingdom. We just have to have a heart like Zacchaeus to admit when we're wrong. And all of us are wrong at some point. We do something to hurt God. We do something to hurt ourselves. We do something to hurt other people. But God says, you're not too far from me. You're not too far from me. Another point that I think that we can find in the story of Zacchaeus is this. How our community judges us and our associations is not how God judges us. Oh, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, right? Like Zacchaeus, right? The religious leaders, everyday people in Jericho are like, how can Jesus go hang out with this loser, this traitor, this thief, this extortionist, right? Jesus looks beyond that. And I wonder, as followers of Jesus as a church, what are the communities in our culture here in America that we would probably want to ignore 
Or we probably think that Jesus wouldn't want us to waste our time in or that Jesus himself wouldn't want to waste his time in. Laura and I have a, a family member, it's a cousin, who uh, is a grown young adult, is looking to find Mrs. Wright, right, to find the right person to marry, all that good kind of stuff. And we pray that he's going to find that person in God's time. Um, but he's limited his options. He will not date a woman who is the opposite political party that he's in. He won't do it. So I'm not going to date someone of the other party. I'm not going to tell you which party, but like, I don't care what she looks like. I don't care how smart she is. I don't care how Christian she is. I, I'm not even going to go there. I think in our culture, if you're leaning to the left or you're leaning to the right, you look on the other side and you're like, Jesus is not with them. Jesus is not with the conservatives. There's no way that Jesus would be over there saying stuff or doing stuff like that. He, he would not be a part of that. Hey, Jesus is not with the liberals. He's not over there. He, he's not going to be doing all that kind of stuff, right? We look at the other side and we say, well, I'm glad Jesus is with me and my people, right? And it causes a division in our country. I think we do that with wealth. Jesus is not with the rich. He was poor in the Bible. Right? Jesus is not with the poor, right? He wants wants us to work for our own living and, and do things, right? I think we do this with gender. I think we do it with, uh, I think we do it with sexuality. I think we do it with color. We do it with, with everything, right? Jesus is with me, but he's not with them. Right? We do it with issues, right? Gun control. Right? Last night, nine more people were shot and killed in California, mass shooting. People who like guns are saying, right, Jesus is not with the pacifists. People who are pacifists are saying Jesus is not with the gun owners. And the joke's on all of us. Jesus is with all of us. Because it doesn't matter what group we're part of. We all do something good in the world. And we also do something wrong. And we hurt our relationship with God. And we hurt our relationship with other people. And Jesus says, I'm still going to show up anyway. I'm going to show up in this community. I'm going to show up in that community. And I want you guys to love each other. And get out of your bubbles, right? How, how are we going to heal as a nation if we think that Jesus is not with all people or doesn't care about all people, right? If the left doesn't talk to the right or the right doesn't talk to the left or the black doesn't talk to the white or the white doesn't talk to the black, if the men don't talk to the women, the women don't talk, we've got to come together. We might not think the same, but Jesus showed, right? All of us need Jesus, and we need to get out of our bubbles and establish relationships with people who think and look and talk and act differently than us so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? There's a lot in this little story about this little wee little man, right? Good things come in big packages, right? This is what I think God is saying to us today. Jesus responds favorably to people who recognize what they have done is wrong. Jesus responds favorably to people who recognize what they have done is wrong. Jesus gives us something we don't deserve. He shows his favor. He says, I love you. I value you. I care for you. Right? It doesn't matter what you've done. In fact, because you've messed up, that's why I came into the world. That's why I died on a cross. I'm ready to forgive you. I am ready to give you a life that is full. I'm ready to help you be part of my kingdom. So a few things maybe I encourage you to think about as action steps in response to this good word. 
Roll and admit when you're wrong and ask for forgiveness. Okay? Go to God. God, I'm sorry. I messed up. These are things that I've done that are wrong. I feel terribly about them. And I know that you know it, but I need to say it. Right? And God, I want to leave this behind. Right? Please forgive me and put me on the right path. Right? And God will do that. That's why he died on a cross. That's why he came back to life, to forgive us of our wrongdoing, to take our guilt and shame away and replace it with peace and joy and love and life that is full. We don't deserve it, but God does it anyway. Right? So admit when we're wrong and ask God for forgiveness. Another thing is to respond to God with love for others. When we receive God's forgiveness, when we receive God's grace, then we want to share that with other people. We want to be kind to other people, right? Zacchaeus went out. What did he do? He, he took his money and he helped other people, right? Not to buy Jesus off, but because he'd been forgiven, he's like, wow, man, I've got to help other people know the love of Christ, right? So when we've received forgiveness, then we can give that forgiveness. We can help other people. Right? Maybe for some of us, it's doing things like Zacchaeus. It's using our resources. Maybe for others of us, it's a kind word. Maybe it's taking a meal. Maybe it's praying for someone, right? But we respond with love for others. Right? Next thing, take a trip outside the bubble. What's your bubble? Is it a Christian bubble? Is it a Republican bubble? Is it a Democratic bubble? Is it a black bubble, a white bubble, right? a male bubble, female bubble? What's your bubble? And how can you get outside of that bubble to share the love of Christ with someone else? Jesus ate with Zacchaeus, went to his house when everybody said, that's not where you need to be. And look at the good that came from that. What bubble might God be calling you to step out of? You don't have to live there, but you've got to step out of it and begin to try to make peace with other people in our world, in our community, in our nation. And then finally, share your story of how God has transformed you. Right? Again, one of the, some of the best, most powerful stories are, I was once lost, and now I'm found. I was once a sinner, now I am forgiven. Right? Uh, the whole impetus like, of this, this sermon series is for you to see Jesus working in your life. What has Jesus forgiven you from? Of? What, how far has Jesus brought you in your life? Right? And we've got these beautiful things out here that Brad uh, made for us, our director of communications, stories of Jesus. You can take one of these, and they're on the tables, and you can write your story. And maybe the story is just for you to write down, keep it in your Bible, and remember, say, God, thank you for saving me from something horrible in my life. Or maybe you feel led to turn this story in to me as a pastor that I could share with someone down the road, right, with your permission, in a sermon, maybe on social media, maybe just in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, and I know that when we're talking about, I used to be a sinner and God saved me from this sin, this might be the time to turn it in anonymously. That's absolutely okay. Right? But these are real stories that help other people. Because there are a lot of people in our world that think, I'm too far from God. I'm too far from Jesus. I, I'm too far gone. There's no hope for me yet. But to hear stories of other people who are real, just like you and me, that's powerful. That is so powerful. Right? We can tell the Zacchaeus story, and that's powerful. But when you see someone like everyday life, that's powerful as well. So one story. And this is a story that's a little bit of a twist of what we're talking about. And this came this week from someone in our congregation who shared their Jesus story with me. I'm not going to share their name. I'm going to share their story. Uh, and this is what it was. They were talking to me about caring for their uh, older parent, an older father who's elderly now, battling dementia, 
Uh, and they also happened to say uh, that when the person in our church was 10 years old, this father left them, abandoned the family, left the family. And I said, well, why are you taking care of them? Right? How did you get back in touch with them? How are you even doing this? That's really big of you to be taking care of your father who left you when you were 10 years old. And there's nothing you could have done to deserve that. And she said to me when I was in my 20s, I found Jesus. And Jesus became my Lord and Savior. And I realized that Jesus forgave me of a lot. A lot. And if Jesus could forgive me, then I could forgive my dad. And we're not the closest, but we have a relationship. And I've forgiven him. And that bitterness that was eating me up inside, Jesus took that away from me. Okay. Do you see this? Right? She said, I didn't do anything wrong to make my dad run away. I didn't deserve that at all. Okay. But I do other things in life that are wrong, and Jesus forgave me and loved me anyway. So that's why I could forgive my dad. And that's why I'm taking care of him in his dementia, even though he abandoned me and he's never really made up for that's the power of Jesus. That's the power of forgiveness. That's the power of feeling insignificant, but God loves you anyway. That all of us can tap into. But Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree to see for the Lord he wanted to see. Okay? And we jump forward to the end of that song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but a happy man was he. For the Lord came to his house that day. What a happy man is he. What a very happy man is he. Be like Zacchaeus. Be happy and receive God's grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.